I was told pretty much from the early days that that we were the only people pretty much heaven was going to be empty apart from us and it reminded me of the kind of the old joke about you know you get up to heaven then there's Peter at the gate and you come through there's a group over there on the right hand side and it's tambourine playing um up, and I, who were that who were they I said well they're the Salvation Army says Peter and then we come to the people kneeling quietly with a prayer book in their hand. Who are they? Well, they're the Anglicans. And then you get down the road and then there are people jumping up and down and running around. Who are they? Well, they're the Pentecostals. And then they come to a wall. I got to the wall and I said, so who's behind the wall? And Peter goes, shh, it's the brethren. And they think they're the only ones here. The Profile. You're listening to Premier Christian Radio. Hello and welcome to The Profile here on Premier Christian Radio. I'm Sam Hales, editor of the magazine that sponsors this show. That's Premier Christianity magazine, the UK's leading Christian mag. If you would like a free sample copy, you can request one at our website right now, premierchristianity.com forward slash free sample. If you simply type your details in, what we'll do is we'll send you the latest November issue completely free of charge. It features an article from R.T. Kendall proposing that COVID-19 could be a form of God's judgment. A controversial piece. We've also got an interview with Gemma Hunt, the CBeebies presenter, about her career in TV and how Prophetic Word actually kick-started her career. Um, But our main cover story this month, we're taking on the really serious issue of the rise in domestic violence. The statistics around this are horrifying. Ever since the first lockdown in March, domestic abuse has been on the rise. We're looking at what Christians can do about it, how the church is responding to what's been called the shadow pandemic. All those articles are much more available right now in the November issue of Premier Christianity magazine. Get a free sample copy at premierchristianity.com forward slash free sample. Our guest on the profile today is Jonathan Vera. Jonathan is an opera singer, a bass baritone, an entertainer, and self-describes as an all-round top bloke. Well, you can judge for yourself. In this conversation with Premier Simon Tuck, Jonathan's going in-depth about his life, faith, career, and so much more. A really interesting and wide-ranging conversation. Starting out in this interview, actually, by talking about the art of interviewing. Jonathan himself uh, occasionally will interview people on his show, and him and Simon have been discussing what happens when occasionally you might get a request from the person being interviewed if they can have the questions in advance. Find out what Simon and Jonathan think of that right now. And they say, tell me what you can ask me. I say, if, if indeed, you require me to tell you what I'm going to ask, then we, you don't come on my show. Yeah, because totally. if there's something that you don't want to answer, then you say... I don't want to answer that or um, do what the politicians do and answer a completely different question. So, you know, uh, but I don't, I go and go, let's just go with the flow side. I'm completely with you. Jonathan, I have emails from particular people who like to email me daily about before their interview comes up just to make sure there's actually all good. So um, uh, you'll be surprised. I don't even know what that means anymore because, well, you know what? for the, for the JV, uh, uh, the, the Steinway Room concerts now, we've done 20 of them. And the one thing that I think uh, has attracted the thousands of people that it has is the word authenticity. Um, yeah. They take it. I'm live. It, things go wrong. I make mistakes on the piano. I, you know, I, I don't do things on the, on the order that they've written. My wife goes mad. She's on the, <laughs> the, the, the woman running the show in Barrow and Furnace. She does all the kind of technical stuff. Yeah. And she's doing the, the the streams and all the rest of it. And she goes, 
can you just give me some indication of where we're going? I said, I have no idea. We go where it goes. And, and I think that, yeah, no, that's cool. You know, I, you've obviously lived your life like that. That's, that's a life living. That's, that, you didn't just decide overnight to do that, right? No. And, the, and you, what you do is you spend a whole lifetime trying to work out um, what you're going to say. And then what you do is I, I, I kind of, I want people to, to get the JV that says, I don't know. I, I, I don't want the JV that says, I've got all the answers. If people want all the answers, they can go to the Daily Mail because you can find them all there, apparently. Um, but that's, you know, I don't want that. I want people who go, I'm not sure. And then when they see me saying, I'm not sure, then they have a certain comfort in the knowledge that, yeah. that, ev- that, that I don't know everything. Yeah. Because you don't trust everybody that knows everything. I don't. No. I don't they're lying. No, no, <laughs> you're, no, you're absolutely right. But everybody feels sometimes they need to have an answer. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And everyone feels they yeah. need to say, or, or they have to make a comment on it, even if yeah. they didn't know anything about it. So. Yeah, they do. And, they, and, and, and you know what, Simon? For you already, I'm telling. I, I can feel we're kind of we're we're brothers from a different mother, um, and and also we've lived life a bit. And I yeah. think what's what's interesting about this this time more than any time that I've lived, and I've got to say this is that the people want a bit of authenticity. They want the the the, drag, the jagged edge and the unsurety and the. But at the same time, that gives them the comfort they need to know that they're not alone, that, yeah. um, that there aren't always answers to every single question. How long is this going to last? I don't know. But how, how, how are we going to manage? Well, we'll manage together. That, yeah. you know, that, that, it, it's like being in a boat that's got holes in it. Well, yes, we have. We're all sitting in that boat, but we've got buckets, all of us. And we, we, will, we will be fine. We will be fine. We're sailing in the right direction and we've got buckets. So just, Calm down. You take your bucket. You empty yours, and I'll empty mine. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I'm on. I'm on it. <laughs> I'm yeah. On it. So you, the Steinway. That's that's your most treasured possession. I don't, it's very Apart funny. The wife. I, the, no, it's the, the the wife is well below the Steinway. Let's, <laughs> be, let's, let's 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 be absolutely frank. And if she hears this interview ever. I'll deny. I'll say it was you that said it. Okay. Thank, thank um, you. Uh, no, no. Look, the Steinway. It's a beautiful thing. I yeah. got it. I've just been to see the lady who gave us the Steinway, and just by coincidence, complete coincidence, that we went across there today, and she wasn't feeling too well, so we went across now. She's in in her early seventies, but she about six years ago, seven years ago, she phoned me and said, JV are you interested in a piano? And I said, Judy, I can't, my wife will kill me. I've already got a Beckstein um, in the East Wing. You know, I can't cope with it. You know, leave me alone. Yeah. And um, I'm joking, I'm joking. It's I in the West know. Wing. It's not in the East <laughs> oh, Wing, it's no, in the West Wing. And, and I said, so she's, uh, she didn't tell me about that. And I said, Judy, I can't, I can't. She said, okay, fair enough. You know, her mother had been a piano teacher, but she said, okay. And we got to nearly the end of the conversation. She said, All of this is absolutely true. I got to the end of the conversation. She said, um, I just said, just a matter of interest, what is the piano you're getting rid of? She said, oh, it's a Steinway. I said, what? She said, it's a Steinway, six foot two, Rosewood, belonged to Lord de Rothschild in his Kensington home. I've got all the provenance to prove it. Wow. And I said, what? How much do you want for it? She said, she said, 
it's yours for the rest of your life. That's it. It's yours because nobody in the nobody in the in the family can keep it, and we know that you will use it and yeah. treasure it. Well, I took the piano, okay, <laughs> and now it sits pride of place in our bedroom, obviously. Obviously, um, <laughs> the obviously. bed has no, been removed. It sits, <laughs> it sits down in in the front lounge, and uh, we had we have two rooms at the front of the house. We have a long lounge, and then we have a study, and then the study. Uh, it, it now and I remember it coming in Simon and and they delivered it in and they put the legs on and I sat there and I cried and it would be fair to say that I did cry I mean I've you know I've sung around the world I've done all my thing in the opera houses for 34 years 35 years and I've seen and, and experienced emotional things as I've sung that. but that, mo that moment was a moment I never thought I would have but I there was a Steinway in front of me. So, and, and as God would have it, that Steinway now has become something over the last five months that has been instrumental in touching thousands of people's lives in 27 countries around the world and right across uh, the UK. We have a, a map of where we've, that my, my producer put together, uh, of where we've touched. And we have, they called themselves this, I might add, I did not. They called themselves the JV community. And that JV community, side has prayed for each other. People of faith, of no faith, of little faith. They've all come in. And I've said, everybody's welcome in the Tyronway room. And we've opened the doors to our small 12 by 13 room with a six foot two, my wife and the computer, and three cameras. Yeah, it's like that. It is exactly like that. And... We've opened it up and people have come in and they make jokes about coming in, getting the front seats and da 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 each Sunday at eight o'clock. And it's been the most surprising thing about this lockdown. And we've done 20 shows now. We did it and now we've, 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 we've put out a, a lockdown, um, out, we started a lockdown album um, crowdfunding. We thought, well, my, my son is the executive producer and I said to Mark Edwards, who, who's going to be recording it with me, producing it with me. I said, you know, what do we need? He gave us the budget and we, we came out with about just about 12 grand that we could make this because they wanted the, they wanted me to sing the songs, some secular, some spiritual, some gospel. Could you do an album? So I thought, well, okay. We, we priced it up and we got, we reached the target. We reached in the two hours that we appealed, we got 10,000. And within 13 hours, we got 12,000 pounds. We are now up to the figure of 18,000 nearly nine just under the nine eighteen thousand nine hundred pounds which wow. is just short and somebody else has given us that we can't talk about a sum of money that will ensure that we can take this out when we have come out of lockdown into the unlockdown jv the unlockdown to around the country so I'm, i we feel totally blessed by this yeah and um moved beyond and it's all because of that steinway yeah and does yeah. that lady know the impact that her giving you that Steinway has had? She does as of today. Okay. Uh, we sat and talked and she didn't have really, I think she got this, the inkling and we'd, we'd been talking about it. And um, today we said it and she went, wow, I, had no, I didn't, she didn't have an idea. You see, and it's, it's a bit like we keep coming up every, every time we talk about this, about loaves and fishes, Right. That the boy brings his two fish, his five loaves, and there it is. And he says to Jesus, uh, I, "Well, I don't know what you, I don't know what you need, 
but I've got this. Yes. And and what got what I think God does is multiply. Yeah. And um and that Sue and I, my wife and I, have just been complete, and the producers have just been completely bowled over by the um, by the effect and by the need for it. I suppose at that time, yeah. who yeah. knows how long this is going to last? It lasts as long as it lasts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But but we are truly. I I, I I sit here before you today, and I just say we just came in uh, from seeing this lady in Seven Oaks, Judy Graydon, the lovely Judy Graydon. And we told her about this and she was just thrilled. She said, she said, should it have my name at the front of it? Judy Graydon Steinway Vienna. I said, I said, no. So anyway. <laughs> No, sorry, love. There's a, there's a limit. No, sorry, love. You've, You've given. given just, that's why you sorry. don't know the name of that boy who gave yeah, the loaves and fishes, right? Otherwise. Exactly. Well, <laughs> you, know, they, you know it now. Judy Graydon is out there. <laughs> um, but I, I, no, so it's, it's wonderful. And, uh, it just leads us on, I suppose, to the, the, all the songs that we've sung. You know, we've sung so many beautiful hymns and songs and um, just songs from uh, uh, the, the American songbook, things that people ask for, you know. Uh, there was a boy. On that King Cole, they love those songs. Songs oh, from, yeah. from, from our Christmases past, you know. And, um, and people just write in and, and then, then do um, The Holy City. Jerusalem, Jerusalem. So my more brassic voice. And yeah. uh, and then songs from my albums, from so many of my 13 albums. So I'd sing songs like that. And then people would just go, oh, can you put that on? And can you put that one on? And as a result, we are probably going to be able to do volume one and volume two because people have given so much. Yeah. I mean, Simon, uh, two, uh, five loaves, two fish. Yeah. Yeah. Tell, tell me a story from um, someone who's written to you from the JV community. Well, there was one beautiful story, and uh, his name is Rob Barron. Now, Rob Barron does a show, a radio show called Hope FM in Bournemouth, down in Bournemouth. Mm. And um, Rob, he's been a friend for many years, and when he used to come and interview me at, at um, Spring Harvest, and then we, we kind of, you know, we got in touch, out of touch, and I went and did a show down in Bournemouth just before lockdown. And he said to me, oh, you know, I'm fi- not feeling too well. I've got a- a- atrial fibrillation and it worries me. And the- but he was there with his wife, Di, and was sitting in the front row. And um, some, I think, three, four weeks after we'd been, we suddenly got, um, he'd, been, he'd been on the show, or just, just, just you know, been as a, as, 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 a, as a punter, listening in, writing in. And suddenly we got a message from him that he, he said, I've just been admitted to hospital. I've got COVID. Seriously, badly. And they were there about to put him on a respirator. And he wanted to write in and ask the JV community if they would pray for him. And people got, immediately, they got praying. But within um, a few days, he was, um, he was taken off the respirator and he could actually write. Wow. And he said, I feel okay but my wife has been admitted um, into the emergency and she got, gone straight in from the emergency into onto a respirator. She was that bad. Wow. So she was dying. And people just started praying for her around. And people in the community were sharing it amongst themselves. People of faith who, had, who, who prayed for him, people who actually were, were not of faith, but who were concerned about him. And suddenly people were sharing amongst the community just writing and that's the point of it 
is that people just share on online, just write to each other. And um, he's within about four days, he wrote and said, we've both been released. We've been given a full bill of health. And he said, I'm convinced that actually that prayer of the yeah. community. Now, how can I prove that to people? I can't. But we of faith know that actually prayer works, that prayer um, affects change. I don't know how to answer what other people haven't, you know, and other people, of course, died. And there would be people that will say, well, my wife died. Away. And, and actually, I, I don't know. All I know is that even if it was the strength that he got from knowing that he was supported by the whole of the, the hundreds of people and thousands of people that listen, and people were just writing in and saying, we're still, yeah. how are you, Rob? Right the way through the week. And so it became, I suppose, and I'm very careful to say this, but it became the function of a church. Yeah. Um, and for many people, their churches had not been functioning in that way. They put on, you know, church services and they were getting better and better and it was becoming more and more professional. But what people wanted more than anything else was to be contacted for the vicar or the minister just to phone them up and say, Bob, how are you doing? Uh, but Evelyn, how are you doing? Um, that, that contact, that, that simple thing, the pastoral. So what we've tried to do, as, uh, and we are not a church and we're not pretending to be a church, but we're trying to function in the way pastorally that a church functions, looking after the people. And so, you know, I, I, we, we might get 1,300 messages in a, in a week that we will then plough through over the period. Wow. And I'll be up until 2 o'clock in that morning, the Sunday night, Monday morning, writing back to people, you know, checking they're okay, um, them not back, and then saying, thank you, I had a bad week this week, I had to go into a hospital this week, or I've got a bad week, I'm very lonely, I'm, I'm completely isolated. I haven't got any other family, as we heard one lady say, you are the only family we have now. This is, these are huge things, Simon. Yeah. And the need, as the, as the, the verse says, the, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And we find that, you know, this is, this is where we are. And uh, yeah. it's a blessing. It's a blessing, but it's hard work. Yeah. It's hard work. I think you're, the fact that you connect with people, not just perform to people, is actually the huge difference that churches need to make sure they're doing on a Sunday, right? Because there's no point, just like you say, this is the best presentation you've ever seen in the world, but with no. little or no um, contact or connection, it's, no. it, is it pointless? Well, I, I just wonder what we're doing. If, we, yeah. if, if I'm saying, I mean, I love the fact that, that our, our thing now, our technical side from, through um, uh, my wonderful Rachel and Claire in Barrow and Furnace, they make the technical side work. But the only reason that the, this is brilliant here is that you and I are looking at each other and there's no interruption. Yeah, I, I don't. Apart from that, I don't care. Um, I'm not interested in in the technical side. Apart from to say that it serves the purpose of me communicating with you, effectively communicating to your listeners, and making a difference in, with the people that we meet. That, 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 if if that is not working, then we've lost it. If yeah. if what we're trying to do is make the better, you know, the, look what we can do with our music. Look what we can do with our. It's like being at church, and you think, no, it's not. <laughs> No, it's not, yeah. because yeah. being at church means being together and caring for each other. Now, we have very many examples of many vicars and ministers who do care and who've been brilliant, yeah. actually. I've got to say that. Um, and there have been many cases 
when the vicars have just that they've spent their time trying to write the perfect sermons and can i tell you honestly no one cares what they yeah. care about is that what you deliver is um this what i'm doing right now which is just sharing with you that's all yeah you know they don't want a word perfect sermon simon they don't yeah they want that, that they can the go truth. online they can find a word perfect sermon from someone online what they want from you is contact and the fact that you care about i care about you i've never met you have i met have i worked with you before simon? no we've never met no before. right but i'm already connecting with you right yeah and i would meet you for a coffee and we'd have a chat and we talk about our families and we talk about how we're feeling and we talk about yeah. um what what god is doing in our lives and what god's not doing in our lives or what we're not allowed all that stuff um we yeah. talk about the fears that we feel we feel about um, the, the, the coming months and the coming years, what's going to be? Um, are we living in last times? Is this tricky? Are we, is this just a difficult period that we're going to get through? You, all of these things that people want to talk about, and they don't want just the perfect sermon and the perfect piece of technical equipment. They don't care. Yeah. You've had a very varied, though, though church background, right? You, you grew up in, I mean, you, you had a house, but you grew up in the Plymouth Brethren. That, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, 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 that, that sounds like a bit of a mile away from where you are right now. <laughs> I would say... I <laughs> Is that mile. fair to say that? I would say, it's, it's not just fair, I would say it's, it's so accurate. But, um, and and I, I know there are going to be Plymouth Brethren listening here who are good people, and can I just say that there was not one bad person in the Plymouth, but they're not, I didn't remember bad people there. They were good people. And they were what I would call sincerely misinformed. All right. Yeah. Sincerely misinformed. I was told pretty much from the early days that, that we were the only people pretty much heaven was going to be empty apart from us. And it reminded me of the kind of the old joke about, you know, you get up to heaven and there's Peter at the gate and you come through and Peter says, well, I, welcome, Jonathan. I'm just going to give you a bit of a tour now. And he comes through and he sees there's a group over there on the right-hand side and it's tambourine playing. Um, up, and I, who were that? Who were they? I said, well, they're the Salvation Army, says Peter. And then we come to the people kneeling quietly with a prayer book in their hand. Who were they? Well, they're the Anglicans. And, um, and then you get down the road and then there are people jumping up and down and running around. Who are they? Well, they're the Pentecostals. And then they come to a wall. And um, I got to the wall and I said, so well, who's behind the wall? And Peter goes, shh, it's the brethren. And they think they're the only ones here. All right, now, that, I just have to tell you that one. Because when I grew up, I was born in 1960. And we grew up and we were taught that other yeah. people... Other people were basically in error, as they used to call it, in error. And if they were in error, they didn't understand how badly in error they were. So the Salvation Army, they were, they were the social gospel. You can't have that. There was the, the, um, the Anglicans who were practically antichrist, even though actually uh, we'd come as Plymouth Brethren directly out of their, their stable. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, a little bit of history... A little bit of history would have done them a, the world of good just to find out what, where they came from and what, it, what they were about. But they lost their way. They were, you know, they were the, one of the most beautiful movements for yeah. the Sunday school movement um, in, in, the, in, uh, in, in East London, oh, in uh, East London, South East London. Um, they were the people that had vision. And they drew people in, drew the children in, 
and fed them. They fed them. The children that were starving, they would bring them in and feed them and then preach the gospel. And, uh, and families would join because they knew what the value of food was to people who were poor. And they went into the poor communities and they were at the heart. If you look at where both the, most of the Brethren Assemblies are, they're in the heart of the poorest communities in the country. All right? Yeah. And um, so I, it, I despair that what they became is people who, who taught about God. They, taught, they knew, a, knew a lot about God, but often they didn't know God. They taught. So I knew a lot about God, but when I left, I yeah. didn't really know God. And I, when I, you, once I left, okay. I did. Did, you, Sorry, did your family leave with you, or did you just leave because you went off to university, or you? Oh, they didn't leave. They didn't leave because of me. No, absolutely not. No, they left. Oh, blimey, no, I was I was uh, read out of the read out of the assemblies, and because I was uh, a rebel, and um, you know I wasn't one of them, and all that kind of stuff that goes on. It was fairly horrible, but um, I didn't mind about that. I wore that as a badge of office. Um, because I saw that the world was a bigger world than that they told me about. Who was it then, mum or dad or both of them, that loved opera that gave you the love of it as well? Neither. Um, it was okay. a music teacher. Music teacher at school. My, my parents sent me to piano lessons to play so that I could play for the Sunday school. So Sunday school became the thing, and I, uh, um, uh, I learned to play classical piano, but my music teacher saw something in me and he said, he described it in the Wilson and Brent Chronicle. <laughs> that, was, that was where I was brought up. Wilson and Brent Chronicle. They said, Jonathan Vera, he said, Jonathan Vera has it, IT, whatever that it is. He said, I don't know. But, and then he encouraged me to go to college to study music. And he was the one that pushed me and pushed me and pushed me. And my parents, my father was an estate agent and they didn't know the world of theatre. It was, you know, completely not part of their um, vocabulary and uh, their life and their experience and so I can't blame them for not knowing about that so I went in and everything that happened seemed to be one little accident after another you know going in and singing to the singing teacher at the university and um, I had no intention of singing I was singing down at the local um, uh, restaurant for money and I was singing you know all the pop songs of the day and I was just doing whatever I needed to do. And then I went in for a singing lesson and the woman said, um, sing this scale. And I went, I suppose she wants me to sing like one of those classical singers. So yeah. I went, la, 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 like that. And she went, do that again. I said, la, 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 la. <laughs> and, and I went all the way up and all the way down. And then she went home and told her husband at that time in 1979 that she said, I found my international opera singer. She said, but I don't think he'll do anything because he's too fat and lazy. Those were her words. So, and I went on to study, long, long story short, went on and did postgraduate study at Trinity College of Music and won a big international competition on the Tuesday and then won another one on the Friday for Capital Radio and, I, uh, and won thousands of pounds, uh, 1984, something like that, and then got, got pushed to Glyndebourne Opera House and the rest, as they say, was history. And I became quite well known in my field and sung around the world in 27, 28 countries. And, um, you know, which is coincidentally the amount of people that are listening to us now on the radio. <laughs> that are, they're on Facebook. That's exactly. Kind of fun, isn't it? 
have you stayed faithful in with your faith in god then because you must have experienced like lots of stuff around the world and and even people you've come across and other things how have you remained faithful in those times by not um i suppose not not giving up because one of the things is not giving up the the way that you live because the way that i lived became um the biggest thing it wasn't the things i said it was the person that i was and the things that i did so my actions so the, uh, the this this act i i, I think i i did, did just just recently i just shared on um premiere i did a talk for um pam Rhodes about kindness and what i realized was that kindness was the way to so many people's lives in my my career kindness was not something that was often shown because you were so busy trying to be trying to be the top dog trying to be the most important person trying to be the one who um was number one and you had to be the best opera singer in the world and uh, you needed to earn the most money and you needed to uh well be top dog and in doing so, that meant that you had to tread on people. And I, I proposed that I would never tread on people. So that when they saw that, they'd come and talk to me and they say, why have you passed on this job to me? Why did you, uh, a job came my way and I couldn't, I just said I couldn't do it. And so I said, but the person that you should ask is this particular person yeah. that was in the, in the op house. And they, they found out that I'd said this and they said, why did you do that? What is it that you want? And I said, I want nothing. Oh gosh, yes. Yeah. Right, I want nothing, and can you see that actually that act of kindness was so shocking to them that acts of kindness became what I was known for doing. So I remember standing at the side of the stage, Covent Garden. I'd been on singing, actually, how great they are. And I'm sorry, this is the, the my helicopter is coming in to land at the moment. I'm sorry about that. I took to take me off for another another interview. Just land over there in the corner. Just be be patient. I'll be with you in a minute. It's like. President Trump, you know. Ah, oh, bless him. He does chop, chopper talk. Anyway, um, so, uh, yeah, and so I was standing on the side of the stage, Covent Garden, about to go on and sing The Marriage of Figaro. Loving death, oh, loving death, ah. And I just, I'm, I'm about to sing. And the head of music comes to the side of the stage and he said, and it literally, I'm, I'm, my head is in the game and I'm ready to go on in front of 2,000 people or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said, he said to me, Jonathan, I saw you on Songs of Praise last night. Um, do you believe all that stuff? You know, that you sung How Great Thou Art. Do, do, you know, because it was very impressive. It was very impressive. Do, do you believe all that? And so I said, would you mind, David, if you came and <laughs> talked to me in the dressing room? Just, uh, just, <laughs> just, I, I'm, I'm happy to talk, but could you just give me two minutes? <laughs> I'll sing the aria and I'll see you in my dressing room after the aria. So, but it was that kind of thing. I became known then to give people time. Yeah. And um, if they wanted to talk, if they were having difficulty or whatever, then I would be the one that they came to, I guess. And so faith was easier to, once, once you'd established that that's who you were, it was easier to keep going with that. Once you, yeah. if you go into it going, I better not say I'm a Christian because they'll think that they won't like it or they don't like yeah. me or they, you know, they, they won't take me seriously. Well, if they don't take you seriously, that's their problem. It's not my problem. So I've always put my hand up and gone, no, hello, yeah, I sing songs of praise. That's right, me, I'm a Christian. All right? Yeah. And if people yeah. don't like it, 
they don't like it. I yeah. can't, I can't, I can't, that's not, that's not for us to um, try and work out. And we just do what we, we do. We do it. We fail. We mess up. But we get up the next morning and try and do something else. Yeah. How yeah. do you, uh, who are some of the people that you've met who were maybe those people that had inspired you in the world of, say, opera and music that you've met? Do you know what I mean? That actually people you've like, better than you thought. Yeah. I mean, people like Kirita Kanoa, Dame Kirita Kanoa. Um, she was uh, difficult to work with at the beginning, and then she was fantastic and immense, and we got very close and I. I admired her artistry and her ability to keep going. And as a woman of colour in, um, in, in the world of opera, it wasn't common. And somebody who looks like me doesn't normally end up in opera. Uh, for a boy from North London, from parents who'd come over here from St. Vincent in 1952, uh, to be born, for me to be born in London in 1960, and to end up, as I remember going into uh, the Prime Minister's office, um, uh, down into street. I, I remember standing there thinking, my father could never have conceived of this. Yeah. Um, and th- that's what the world of opera did for me. There were people that you wouldn't hit, hit, wouldn't necessarily have heard of, like Th- Sir Thomas Allen, who was absolutely brilliant and a brilliant um, uh, person, and Richard Van Allen, people who were great singers, who taught me how to be a nice person as well, not to be an idiot. And, mm. and that's, you know, but to maintain your uh maintain your personality in the midst of people telling you you're wonderful and marvelous and the best thing ever because you won't be wonderful and marvelous and the best thing ever for long and it comes and it goes and hold on to it lightly and that's now you know that's what i do i hold on to everything much more lightly than i've got i've got kidney disease and um i'm waiting for a transplant now but the covid is not able able to do it yet and so hopefully soon we will be able to do that but I'm realizing life is short and um, yes. you must live it. Uh, you must live it in the way, the best way you can be kind and open hearted with people. And those are the people, not necessarily uh, the best singers, but the, uh, the nicest people um, who maintained their personality through all of that, what they called fame. It's nonsense. Yes. It, it's nonsense. It means nothing. Okay. It means nothing. I'm just telling you that because it's true. Yeah. You mentioned how great that art. It is one of the songs, um, Jonathan, one of the two songs, by the way, just like yeah. to say that you've made it to our top 50 <laughs> uh, on premiere. Some people are a little bit greedy and I can see that, you know, you're happy with that. That's cool. That's okay. It's okay. Um, but how great that art is one of those songs. Um, why, what, what is the, the story? It's not your song, obviously, but you've made it your own. And that's what I love about you, the way that when you, you sing those two songs that we've got, yeah. I, I love the way you do that and you bring it, yeah you bring a style to yourself and everything else and you're, you're yeah. faithful to that. What is it about that particular song? Do you think that um, means something to you? Well, uh, the best, Simon, the best of our songs have stories attached. Uh, narrative. The, the story of our lives is the most in- interesting stuff. It's not just the song itself. It's the story that's attached to so- the, the song. And so in 1989, I mean, I've got to tell you that how great they were. You know, it was, it was, it was in the radar when I was growing up. Billy Graham, Crusades, um, all of that stuff. And in 1989, I got very ill, nearly died of viral encephalitis. And um, I was in a coma. And long story short, people prayed. I came out of that coma. The doctors called it miraculous. 
and I was ill for th- I was back at home for three months just recovering and um, I'd just gone into the I just was starting to make it in the world of opera and it was a big major blow bang and I was out um, about to start singing at Glyndebourne in the Marriage of Figaro again and I got yeah. ill and uh, diagnosed and blah 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 people can read it in my book um, Finding My Voice and uh, Sue tells the story because I was ill I was in a coma and uh, I'm cutting a very long story short, but what happened was in that 1989, Songs of Praise came to uh, Guildford, where I live, and St. Saviour's in Guildford, and um, uh, I think they asked if I would run the choir for that at Millmead, Millmead um, in the centre of, uh, of Guildford. And uh, so I said, yeah, yeah, fine. And my vicar had... Uh, known obviously about this story about me being ill and being prayed for and um here i am i'm better than and and and, uh, it was miraculous and people were blown away by it all so he recommended that i sing so they say came and said would you sing so i said i'll sing the first verse but well they said could you sing the first verse sue reminded me of this the other day so i said yeah okay of course, by, you know, I was a highly trained opera singer. I'd won ma- major national competitions, but I wasn't in the public eye at that point. Okay. And I was still, you know, finding my way and becoming something. You're doing an apprenticeship. And I sung the first verse um, to simple accompaniment, or organ accompaniment in the church. And as I was singing it, the technical crew came in and said, um, and the producer said, I can't believe it. It's fantastic. It's unbelievable. You, you, you are fantastic. We didn't know. We didn't know. Could yeah. you sing it all? So oh. I said, yes. Yeah. So I then became the guy that sung the whole thing. As a result of that and the Millmead thing, the Millmead, it took yeah. it to a huge place where they then asked me to sing it. They invited me out to go out to um, uh, Israel in year 2000. Okay. And to do two or three programs out there, including a Songs of Praise, um, where I did um, the old druggy cross, okay, from hence when I did that, I did it yeah. um, uh, near Gethsemane, near, near Golgotha. So, and I sung that on a hill far away, stood an old rugged cross, I am the hill of suffering and shame. And that, ironically, is, is going to be on the lockdown album as well. So I then sung that, and it became voted as the the nation's favourite hymn, as sung by Jonathan Vera. I then did wow. the 40th anniversary programme, which was just before the first Iraq war, and 14 million people viewed this, and it became huge. And wow. I recorded it then five times on my album, uh, You Raised Me Up, which is um, one of the biggest albums for me ever. And um, that became the version that everybody mainly knew. Um, there's also yeah. the BBC version. There's another version on... Uh, another one and, an, and another one that I recorded live, live from London um, with the All Souls Orchestra. So I, I've, it's been part of my story because at the end of every evening that I do, live evening, I always sing it. Um, that's the last song I sing, whether it's a, a, a Christian evening or not. And that's, that's what I do. Um, yeah. And it's become, because again, it focuses uh, not how great I am, but how great yes. that one, you know. Life's not always been that jolly for you, and you just about yeah. have been in a coma then. Yeah. How have you had moments then of you know difficulty with your faith? I mean, there must be a moment. Have there been yeah. moments where you've gone, oh, I don't even know if I believe anymore because of yes. Oh yeah, there was a major point of crisis of faith, but it wasn't ironically anything to do with 
uh, nothing to do with illness. I didn't, I never, it's, illness has never made me think, does God exist? That has yeah. never made me think that. I think that, think that there were times when, um, often the church asks you to believe things that the Bible never does. Um, it asks for articles of faith and points of belief that you go, hold on, wait a minute, you're making this up. Where, mm. where does this come from? And in doing so, it creates, and, and I think one of the biggest things for me, if, it's, if I'm absolutely going to be honest, it's about, it's the lack of pastoral knowledge and care and concern. And what, therefore, what we try and do is try and show, reflect the love of Jesus in the care that we show for people. That is how I try and care for people in a way that often we haven't been cared for. There are individuals that have cared for us, um, but in, in general, in general, I would say the church is not good at this. It's good at preaching. It's good at making points. It's good at actually doctrine. And you've got to believe this and you've got to believe that. And often what I'm saying again is when push comes to shove, what church is about is not just articles of faith, but it's about fraternity. It's about fellowship. What we gain when we come together. That's why it mm. says, do not neglect the meeting together of believers in hebrews that's yeah. what it says and why is that it's not just so that you don't remind yourself of um of the communion you know remember this until you come but also because we need as human beings other people yeah. we need to be cared for we yeah. need to be we need to have the arms of people wrapped around us caring for us and making sure carrying us into the kingdom and that's what i believe absolutely uh, i was in the sea the other day and a, a young man, um, I was just talking to him, a 28, wonderful father. He was practicing, playing with his children. And I just said what a wonderful um, father he was, just swimming in the sea. And he said to me, you don't know what that's meant to me. He said, I, I, nobody said that to me. My dad left when I was very young. And I'm, uh, you were a really nice man. Thank you. Can, can I, I said, would you like to talk with you? If you'd like to, just write to me. I said, I'd love to have you on, on, on the Sunday evenings with us. Just join us. I said, you don't have to have faith to do it. You can just join us. Yeah. And you know what? He's written to me. We've now exchanged three or four emails just from standing in the sea saying, I care about you. Yeah. Nothing. I'm not, I don't have any magic potion. Okay. It's no. nothing. It's just simply that I care about you. Yeah. And actually, when we do that and stop trying to be clever, then have I had crises of faith? You're absolutely right. Every morning I wake up, I doubt. All right but I believe a little bit more than I doubt. Yeah. So yeah. the seesaw of faith is always, you know, it's on that side. <laughs> yeah. But there are days when it's difficult. You mentioned about family there and you've got some lovely family yourself. Yeah. And I, you know, Matt is helping you with your music. Is he, is he the only one that is coming up Matt, through no, with Matt, music or the others? If you, no, they, if you look on, if you, if you can, you can look online, just put Jonathan Vera and Sons, they, they're all musicians, all fantastic musicians. And they used to go on tour with me, actually. And they played and recorded an album with me um, in All Souls Langham Place. We did a two nights and it's JV Live in London. And it's a DVD and a CD where you can see them all play. Fantastic singers, fantastic players, drummer. I made sure they play guitar, drums and piano and keys. I'm not stupid, son. No, um, no, you can, and, we can get the family band sorted, right? Yeah, yeah, that's it. So they're going to come uh, and, they're gonna, and Matt's coming on tomorrow night, on Sunday night, where he's going to tell everybody where we've reached with the crowdfunding. And right. he's going to do, he's now executive producer of the, this album. So he'll put the whole thing together, make sure that everybody does what they do and pay them and all that kind of stuff. 
it's 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 a wonderful, you know, and 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 she, he's got two children, Lily and Poppy, and we had Poppy for the night last night. Oh. We're old grandparents, and we love it. And she was great, big, great big bed, and she was in, you know, sleeping in that bed. Oh. No, right. So I, I love it all. Would you like to introduce uh, how great thou art to us, and then we'll play it? Do you know, um, one of those great, great, um, well, it isn't an old hymn, but relatively speaking, it's a relatively new thing. It's an, it's an old tune, an old Russian melody that was then Stuart Kind put this, uh, these words. Um, and, and I think what it does is beautiful in all its essence how, when, oh, uh, oh, Lord, my God. And it, it, just at the beginning, it's almost like a kind of a, a prayer when I an awesome wonder and I see everything. And I love that because it, it looks at nature and looks at all of those things. But then it says, and when I think that God, his son, not sparing. And, and that for me, it then becomes a personal thing rather than just a big generic thing. And it brings it down. And everybody wants to sing, whether they're Christian, no, but it doesn't matter where I sing this. Uh, people cry. This is my granddad's favorite hymn. This is my mother's favorite. This is my favorite hymn. Uh, a publican in Marden. She sat in the front row and she wept her heart out when I sung this in a tiny little parish church, 95 people in the church, and there she was, the local publican. And the last time I saw her, she threw her arms around me. She said, thank you for singing that. It means so much to me. And for so many people, God bless you as you listen to it. God bless you. Oh, Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the works thy hand hath made. I see the stars, I hear the mighty thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to well, while we are able to play that song in its entirety on Premier Christian Radio, you are listening to the profile as a podcast, and copyright regulations mean we'd be in big trouble. And we don't want to be in big trouble, so we're just going to fade that beautiful song out now, which is such a shame. If you want to enjoy that in full, we would encourage you to support Jonathan Vera directly. You can head to his website, jonathanvera.com. Why not buy one of his CDs or check out the shows he's been doing on his Facebook page? That's at facebook.com forward slash Music. Before we go, we would so appreciate it if you could give us a rating and a review wherever you got this podcast from. It helps other people to discover the show. So why not do that now? It will just take you two seconds to give us, we would suggest, a five out of five and a short review as well. Just feeding back on these interviews that you've been listening to. Well over 200 different interviews now here on the Profile Podcast and some fantastic material to discover in our back catalogue if you haven't already. So why not have a scroll through some past episodes as well? But a rating and a review would really help us out. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time.